1: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Johanna Vidal-Filan, Chief Medical Officer of Quality and Pediatrics at UPMC Insurance Services Division. Dr. Vidal-Filan, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare right now, and especially with UPMC being very much on the forefront of a lot of the big trends, both with digital transformation as well as care delivery. Uh, I'm excited for our conversation. But before we dive into that, will you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
2: Well, first, I just wanted to thank you and Becker's Healthcare Podcast for the opportunity to participate in today's recording. Um, my name is Joanna vidal Fallon, and I'm the Chief Medical Officer for Quality and Pediatrics at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Insurance Services Division and Clinical Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. I am very proud to work for UPMC, which, as you just highlighted, is a world-renowned healthcare provider and insurance company, and we are based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. UPMC is the largest non-governmental employer in Pennsylvania with more than 95,000 employees. And our insurance services division is the largest medical insurer in Western PA with more than 4.5 million members. Prior to joining UPMC, I worked at a clinical integrated network providing medical leadership on quality improvement activities and practice transformation. I am a trained general pediatrician with over 20 years of clinical experience serving families and patients from underrepresented backgrounds. And when people ask me where my accent come from, I probably share with them that I was born and raised in Puerto Rico.
1: Oh, that's amazing. What a a great experience that you've had um, throughout your career and certainly to work in many different settings. You know, when you look at where you're at, at uh, UPMC Insurance Services, where do you see some of the biggest issues that you're following in healthcare right now as you're reflecting back over the last six months
2: and then looking ahead to what's top of mind for you? That's a great question. See, one of the biggest challenges and opportunities I am closely following in healthcare in 2023 is how the industry is addressing health equity. As we all know, health disparities are not a new phenomenon. When my medical career began more than 20 years ago, I quickly witnessed the impact of health disparities on the pediatric patients and families I was serving. Back then, although patients and families uh, were engaged with me and they would share with me their experience uh, in disparities, and I consider them to be very unfair, and many of us did, few were willing to face the daunting challenge of addressing them. Now we fast forward to the here and now, and so much has changed, while well, the issues of health equity remain, I'm very thankful to national organizations like CMS, the Joint Commission, the National Committee of Quality Assurance. However, because everyone is talking about health equity now, and how now we, as the healthcare industry, need to address disparities. I believe that 2023 is the year where we move beyond the efforts of acknowledgement, education, and obtaining buy-in to a time of action and driving outcomes. It is true that the first step in addressing health disparities is to acknowledge them, but I believe that now is the time to move forward and make an impact. As a pediatrician, also, issues that impact maternal and child health are also very important to me. As a clinical pediatrician, I acknowledge the challenges that many parents and caregivers are currently facing with misinformation and how, as a healthcare industry leader, we need to remain steadfast in addressing vaccine hesitancy to help protect our children from vaccine-preventable illnesses.
1: Absolutely. And that's such a huge issue, especially looking at health disparities in, in bridging health equity. So, you know, in your communities, whether it's with the pediatric patients, the children's and their families or the other community members that may not have access to care for one way, shape or form, you know, what do you do? What's been effective to really spread the word, get the word out there about, um, you know, the different services they need and how that they can take advantage of the access or uh, of health care that's available to them and then get access when they may not have in the past?
2: That's a great question. And I think the solution is multi-pronged and really will require significant collaboration, not only in the healthcare industry per se, like a health plan, but also collaboration with provider, community-based organizations, hospitals, uh, and and places where in the past we we didn't even think about engaging. And now we know and learn that are so critical, like faith-based organizations. Uh, knowledge and information that is not only available to our members or patients in in English, it also needs to be available in other languages. It needs to be multilinguistic. It needs to be multicultural. And uh, the approach has to be different. We need to work together with our partners in the field. We need to work with community-based organizations that have build trust in the communities and they are a source of truth for many folks in those neighborhoods and they know the neighborhoods where they're serving very well and they're a beacon of hope. Collaboration for me is, is of critical importance as a key factor to accessing healthcare services, but also to addressing health disparities.
1: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. you know, and I love to hear all the the very great and pointed initiatives that you're doing. Now, when you look at uh, where you're at today, what are you most excited about and what makes you nervous?
2: That's a great question. See, i when I think about what I'm excited about, I know our industry is moving towards value-based care, and that is something that I think is very positive. I am a firm believer that addressing health equity, should be a component in value-based care payment models to support and drive the care delivery transformation needed to address systemic and unfair health disparities. Value-based care arrangements can leverage incentive models to address, for example, social determinants of health impacting a population and correlating payments to performance measures that lead to improvements in key outcomes, member satisfaction and quality of care. I am a firm believer that healthcare should also be non-discriminatory and that to have meaningful and sustainable impacts, we need engagement of every aspect of our industry to achieve the long lasting impact we need to eliminate health disparities. What makes me nervous, you ask also? Well, I want people to understand that achieving health equity is not an experiment or a nice thing to do in our spare time. As part of these important conversations, we're bringing community leaders and members from vulnerable communities to the table. Many of the leaders driving health equity have also been impacted themselves by health disparities or come from minority communities. As a Latina physician myself, health equity is personal to me, and we have no room for failure, only improvement. We can ask people to trust and support our journey to achieving health equity and then walk away seems things don't progress as planned. DEI and health equity cannot be a fad that we forget in 10 years. And we own this to our members and we own this to our communities we serve.
1: That's such a great point. And definitely looking at, you know, this is a moment of where a lot of people are focused on health equity and really elevating DEI and valuing a, a lot of what um that means and what that entails and trying to figure out how to do it well in healthcare. you know when you're looking at two three and ten years down the road how do you keep momentum how are you thinking about that and just making sure that changes you're making are systemic and continuing to evolve versus
2: um more of a a trend or a hot topic for the moment that's right. And that's, that's the fear. It, it cannot be just a hot topic that we forget and move on and then run into something else. This, this is, has to be a long-term commitment. This is where I am very happy to see the integration of health equity as part of value-based care programs, as part of programs that are being advocated through CMS, through NCQA, quality metrics, the joint commission. These are national organizations that people listen to. And if they are pointing the needle or focusing their energy into calling attention to the importance of health equity, definitely that is one venue to hold all of us accountable to achieve those outcomes.
1: Uh, that's fantastic to hear. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, what will the most effective healthcare leaders need to be successful in the next two to three years or so? I know healthcare will continue to change and has changed so much in the last few years. So, you know, what do you see as being really important for leaders to know and understand as they enter into this new and evolving world of healthcare?
2: Yeah. yeah. When, when, when asked for advice on how to be an effective healthcare leader, I often share the importance of feeling comfortable with rolling up your sleeves and getting the work done. There's no task that should ever be beneath you. We are all members of the team. So in one meeting, you will see me leading and presenting, and in another one, I'll be taking notes. A healthcare leader, you need to remain curious and have the boldness to think outside the box. Don't be afraid to ask why and to respectfully challenge the status quo to drive efficiencies and improve outcomes. As healthcare leaders, we need to feel comfortable with the unknown and be flexible. A successful healthcare leader greatly values the importance of a diverse workforce because they see the importance of having different perspectives and experiences at the table. I encourage healthcare leaders to intentionally be allies to seek diverse voices at the table where strategic and operational decisions are being made. If you don't, you will be missing out on an amazing opportunity to further expand your outreach and impact. And one more thing, to thrive as a healthcare leader, you need to know your customers, your members, your patients, and the communities your organization serves. Take the time to listen to your customers, understand their perspective, and leverage that information to transform your company strategy. A successful healthcare leader knows how to listen and uses what they learn to drive change.
1: Dr. Falin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and inspiring discussion. I have learned so much from you and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
2: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity and the positive encouragement and you have a great day.